Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 11 of Cool Story with David J. McNeil. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your continued support. This episode features a conversation with my buddy Vitold Vidic. Vitold was born and raised in a mining town in central Bosnia. During his teen years, he was forced to grow up quickly when age-old tensions resurfaced and the former Yugoslavia was plunged into war. For many, the heaviness of the surging violence would be a breaking point. But Vitold chose positivity over fear, which served him well during those difficult times. His parents later decided to move Vitold and his siblings to a safer location in Herzegovina, before finally packing up their lives in Europe and immigrating to Canada in 1997. Positivity and choosing to be happy also helped Vitol greatly as he navigated the uncharted waters of being a stranger in a new land and all the baggage that comes with that experience. Later in the podcast, we also discuss the greatest challenge of Vitol's young life, the loss of his wife, the love of his life, Barbara. But before we get to that chapter of Vitol's journey, here's my conversation with Vitold about the experience of living in the midst of war and the leap of faith the Vidic family made in immigrating to Canada. Hey, Vitold, how you doing, man? Good, thank you. How you doing? I'm doing great. You and I uh, met, we were just uh, trying to figure that out before we uh, started the interview. We, it was, we think it's probably about 2008, right around the time that the big recession hit. You started working at uh, Bell uh, as, uh, as an editor, and I remember the day you came in, because I think there was some kind of a, a change. We might have lost an editor or two, and they were trying out some new guys, and you came in, and I think it was busy, and we were, I was introduced to you, and we were like right in the middle of a cutting something, and then, you know, finally we got introduced, and, and you, uh, you, you said hello, and, and you said, uh, my name is Vitold, and uh, I guess myself or somebody else said, sorry, repeat your name again, and you said, uh, you had, you had a mnemonic device that you were using that obviously you'd used yeah. <laughs> a few times before. What was it? Well, you know, it, it usually, well, I speak fast and I'm going to try to speak slower today for this podcast, but, you know, um, it's an unusual name. So I would say Vitold and people are like, well, okay, okay, yeah, cool, you know. And then I would say, okay, uh, I told, you told, Vitold. And, <laughs> and instantly people are like, okay, I, I get it. Uh, no, no problem. Yep, I will never forget that. Yeah. And I've done it so many times and it works all the time. So I, like, you know, a lot of times you would come up with certain things and you'd be like, okay, like it's getting old, but it just works. It yeah. just works. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, even though I go, my nickname, even back when I was growing up back in Europe, like uh, is Vito or so like Italians or some people, would, some of my friends would pronounce it as like Vito, more mm-hmm. like a V-I-D-O or like, you know, pronunciation. But, you know, uh, my friends in Europe would say Vito. It's like in Italian, Vittorio, Vito. Vito. Uh, or Vito, you know, so it's like almost like a Vito, Cor- and I would even say like Vito Corleone, you know, so, so okay. it's like, yeah, it's like that. Okay. But I told, I told you, told Vitold is how I introduced myself to you. Yes, so I name, remember that. It, it made me laugh hard and I was like, that's perfect. I will remember his name more so than anybody else around here. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a great device. And I was like, I like that. I like this guy's thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
straight to the point. Straight to the point. Yeah. And then you uh, you you kind of came in, and they were testing you out, and things went really well. And then all of a sudden, you were you were one of our uh, our main editors, and we worked together there for uh, at least some, maybe maybe on and off for about two years. Yeah, close to two years. It was it was a good spot. It was a good time for me because um, I was working for a company, and uh, they they folded, or they you know it was a recession. Lots of places closed. Um, Mm-hmm. And um, I needed work because uh, I was a freelancer, mm-hmm. and there was an opening at Bell TV, and I jumped at it. And it, and it was a perfect time in my career because um, I was uh, still working on my projects at that time. So, what working for Bell TV allowed me uh, to to still work on my independent projects part time and work for Bell. Well, almost full time hours. I think it was like on average, it was like twenty five thirty hours a week. Yeah. Uh, but that was ideal for me. Like it was, it was almost like God given, you know. Well, and and I like your response because your response is very positive, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you today, because you are somebody that uh, that is always positive. My, you know, I, I always find every time I talk to you, you're you're upbeat, you're positive, things are going great, um, you know. So I, I always enjoy touching base with you, uh, and 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 I say that because. Uh, I also know that that uh, your life hasn't always been easy. One of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you today was you grew up um, as a young person in the middle of a, a conflict during during the war. You you uh, you were how old were you in 1992 when the uh, the war broke out in the uh, the Balkans after the dissolution yeah. of uh, Yugoslavia? Yeah. So uh, the war in Croatia and Slovenia um, was it was actually 1991, but there was no war in my part of former Yugoslavia, which was Bosnia. So yes. uh, that war that directly affected me, or it was much closer, I suppose, uh, uh, was in 1992. And by that time, I, I just turned 13. 13. I was 13 years old. Yeah. So I think it was like grade seven, grade eight around that time. Right. I think that in general, um, Soviet Union didn't necessarily have much um, to do with former Yugoslavia, but uh, Eastern Bloc and the fall of communism did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the country was, I think, as far as I know, um, uh, the political system was called socialism. So uh, uh, Yugoslavia split with Soviet Union in um, in 1948, I think. So Marshal Tito, that was the ruling country till he passed away, um, I think, somewhere 1981, or I think I'm kind of, I know it was like May 4, because right. my mom's birthday was May 4, and I don't think we celebrated that like a lot because that was always the day of mourning. So at three o'clock or two fifty-five, as a kid, you always had to stand in the middle of the city, wherever you are. If you cross the street, if you you know you have to stop, and um, because sirens were, um, right. you can hear sirens. So, but you know he was always playing on both sides. Even but the so- system was socialism. Yes, there was lots of, I think um, you know now when I hear. You know my parents or, or or lots of people talking there, there there was lots of i suppose like things that were not resolved because uh, because once the war started there was lots of things that you never knew even existed which was like mm-hmm. specifically was a nationalism it was quite opposite from what we were thought in school which was brotherhood and unity we are all together and um but yeah there is there is there is that it, it's very difficult and i was just a kid um now I know more because I like to read, uh, but my perspective of that time was 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 um, you know coming of age kid mm-hmm. um, that you know. But you you do grow up um, 
in situations like that quite fast because yeah. you, you kind of like um suddenly you as a kid you never worry like about what your parents will you know if you have enough food on the table thankfully yes. i don't think that in my situation there was many short you know many times that we didn't have food on the table there was always something on the table yes but you know it wasn't a luxury you know like maybe sometimes i'll be like okay if i have beans one more time i'm just gonna jump through my window you know mm. um i mean it's a it, it's a joke you know i love beans now because i'm vegetarian mm. but uh you know <laughs> during that time uh but you know what i'm saying it's kind of like uh uh but i do i, I knew that there was you know my neighbors some people were getting thinner and thinner Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I knew that some kids were not having as much as, you know, other kids. Uh, mm-hmm. But as far as going back to your question, like, what, what was that? It's very difficult to pinpoint, like, things just dissolved. And, um, you know, it's very interesting now looking back at that whole country and how they couldn't figure it out to still, you know, to move on. And, you, and, you, and I live in Canada now that, that pretty much is, you know, every province is, is almost like a different country, you know? Yes. Uh, in Canada right now, we have every province has like a different education system, different health system, different taxes, different everything. Like I different think the values that, often based yeah, on what the major industries are. Yeah, and, you know, so it's kind of interesting that um, not just in former Yugoslavia, but in other parts in the world that you know, um, you they were not able to figure it out. Everything turns out, in my opinion, to be like if people are employed and if people have jobs and if they want to split from each other. Mm-hmm. it's not that difficult they'll figure it out but as soon as you as soon as the economy stops you know yes. and people don't have it's easy to manipulate with people you can see yeah. it happening right now in north america even here a little bit and yeah. that is when the economy gets bad some politician comes along and points at somebody else and says we're having a hard time because of that person yes the immigrant. yes, yes. the immigrants are always the go-to yeah the the you know whoever it is point at that person and say that's why we're having a hard time otherwise life would be great for us so if we can somehow figure out to take that person out of the equation it'll be better for all of us yeah like there is a there's a really good uh i'll try to translate or or paraphrase uh roughly like there's a there's like a frank zappa of uh, balkans or former yugoslavia like his even name is like Is, is ridiculous like he's the funniest guy but he's super smart like he mm-hmm. basically said um you know if your income is you know around 500 dollars 500 euros so let's say like you know close to a thousand or whatever 800 bucks you know a month mm-hmm. you know you talk about nationalism you talk about you know um somebody's wrong you know you have that kind mm-hmm. of an attitude you know like once mm-hmm. you pass 1000 or 1500 you start to think about like you know vacation yeah. you know about like parties and once you pass once sure. your family income passes two thousand you're like oh my god i could actually even possibly like invest into a cottage once yeah. it passes three thousand euros like a month like everything is just nothing matters yeah you know so that's absolutely true uh when it comes to any conflict you know like if you can actually keep people somehow um well i can't say happy but like make sure the mm-hmm. economy doesn't collapse. Like, but a lot of times it comes hand in hand. Yeah. Collapse so tell me, system, you know? before, the, before the war broke out, what, what was your family like? My parents uh, uh, lived together till my dad passed away about three years ago, but he was an engineer, mining engineer, yeah. and uh, my mom was a teacher. So they were both working. Yeah. So that's also like affects the fact how I, my perspective, my point of view, my parents had good jobs. 
Yeah, they were I professionals. Good, yeah, professionals. Like I had, um, what's it called? Like, you know, like I had my own room with my brother. Like we had a three-bedroom apartment. We had a house outside the city. I was able to go to the coast every single year for, you know, a couple of weeks. Like I would, we, we traveled mainly in former Yugoslavia. But like, you know, it was a, it was a good life. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I always want to acknowledge that, you know, not many people were as lucky as I was. Mm-hmm. So supposedly, I think actually, if you can label my family as something maybe like a middle class, I guess, because in socialism, right. it's not like, you know, that would be a middle class. You have an apartment, you are building a house outside the city where your parents want to retire, or you go on, a, you know, you go there on weekends or after work with your parents, yeah. and then on, you go on vacation and skiing, you know. Yeah. So it sounds like basically up until the war happened or and i don't know how much yeah. it changed during the war we'll get into that but it sounds like you probably had a similar a similar upbringing to the one that i had um in terms of comfort and yeah yeah very similar yeah uh and so when the war starts up how how do you see it through your eyes how how does it change for you and your family and the people around you what's the first thing you start to notice that changes in how you guys live your lives it's very because I was a kid and it was it, it started quite early like looking back now you can kind of pinpoint and I knew that something is brewing even much earlier than that and I knew that by um they would there was this saying in former Yugoslavia would say like you know uh come come for cielo which which mean like you know like let, let's sit together you know come for mm-hmm. us sit together you know and mm-hmm. my mom and my aunt my mom's sister they lived across the street and you know they would always we would always visit each other we were the same kids were the same age and i remember when 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 they would argue more and more Mm -hmm. you know suddenly like the main topic of conversation at one point it would just get louder it was politics yeah you know because my dad was traveling uh for work so he was able to have a, a little bit bigger perspective even though he was only traveling in different parts of yugoslavia yeah. So he knew something was cooking and he was not. Mm-hmm. While, while my uncle was like, no, no, man, like socialism and communism, we're all in this together. This is just a little, you know, <laughs> little something. We're going to, you know, go, we're going to go through this together, you know? Yeah. But they would, they would get into like arguments. Like they would like, you know, leave their, each other places, like, you know, almost arguing and yelling and, you know, but it's like a European yelling. You do that, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when I knew that something was cooking, but because in Bosnia, the war, and then it was news, like, you know, it was, everybody started to watch news all the time, mm-hmm. all the time at 7.30. Like, that's the news, you know, like, yeah. kind of everybody's on it. You know, you as a kid start to figure it out, you know? Yeah. And um, that's kind of like, but when the war happened in my hometown, like it was, um, it was a short war, so it's not, it wasn't that long. So that's why I always think that, you know, I don't consider myself, you know, I still consider myself to be lucky that, that it wasn't as bad as Sarajevo or Srebrenica or, you know, like different parts of Bosnia. Mm-hmm. Like it was only for a couple of years, there were tensions. Yes, people were like nasty to each other in certain moments, but it wasn't as bad. You know, right. like I did lose a cousin and I, and I, and I would give everything, you know, that I accomplished, you know, for my cousin to be alive now, but, you know, other people lost so much more, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a kid, you don't think about those things. So, so, so it gradually happens. Even now when I talk to my friends, like I would always say, like, were there any opportunities? Why didn't I, didn't, you know, our parents 
figure it out. Like, why didn't we go earlier? You know, like I, I don't blame him now, but there were many moments when I was, you know, like 16, 18, I was like, oh, it wasn't that obvious, but it wasn't, you kind of like think, okay, it's going to stop. It's going to stop constantly. They're negotiating like politicians, yeah. like it's, and it was like European sponsor constantly in the number one news, like, okay, they're flying now to Lisbon. They're going to negotiate. Nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And then the following month, they go to Brussels, they negotiate, like, you know, and the media pumps it, it's closed. Like they, they, they almost just a couple of things more and it's going to stop and it doesn't stop, you know? Yeah. So it, that's why it kind of dragged. And it's almost identical story. Like when you listen to what's happening in Syria, like there is so many mm-hmm. sides, like it's very similar. Well, at one point you told me, was it in the, in the, in the town you grew up in where you were the, basically you were, the access was cut off for about a year, you said at one point. Oh yeah. Like you couldn't leave your, like there was only, uh, only at the beginning of, like at the beginning of the war in, in, it was like April, 1992, but even like March to April, like from April, 1992, like April 4th is when officially it started, but like mm-hmm. middle, you know, my area, like it was very difficult to leave from April 1992 till like the war was over like you yeah. basically had to like it was sometimes it would take you days to leave like you 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 can't even like so you practically were um uh, completely cut off like there was only like certain convoys that would leave and bring food back and supply for army and people but it was very mm-hmm. difficult to leave like it was you had you had to have like all kinds of permits and there was all kinds of stories like so many checkpoints because we lived in the middle of bosnia so it wasn't close to any borders so mm-hmm. for us to actually leave and reach the border, like you would have to like, uh, like whichever way you choose, like it's either, it was not safe. So it was, it was, but you get used to it. Like, it's not as if, you know, until the war, short, quick war, short war happened in my hometown. Like you get used to like, you know, yeah, everyone well, is look in at it what's together. happening right now. You, yeah, it's amazing how quickly you can get used to being locked down. Yeah, you but know. you know, also like I was, I was lucky as well. Like my dad did work through the war. Like he he opened up a company with with a bunch of his friends. Um, in just before the war, so he was able to. Uh, his work was essential, in a way. I think so. Like I was able, my dad was able to have some kind of income. Even I remember him showing up with like a bag of money, but that mm-hmm. was worth nothing. Like in the morning, it's a bag worth of like maybe five hundred bucks, but by you know afternoon, it's three hundred. Right. Because of inflation. What, what do you mean by that? Oh, 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 really? Just yeah, because of uh, yeah. yeah, inflation. The, just like, the, the war was having on the economy. Yeah, like it's yeah, insane. Yeah. So, uh, so like you know, like in many ways, like I, I was lucky, but you know, um, lots of people didn't have any kind of you know. But you do figure out you help each other. You kind of like from even me as a kid, I, w- I was able to see how neighbors would help each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a friend who's mom worked as a cook in this big factory and we, we always loved going to her place because she always had a you know like a not always but every once in a while she had a cake mm-hmm. you know and uh and it was always interesting like you also like you get used to the fact that the electricity was only on for two hours a day or three hours or something like that i remember i'm, I'm probably wrong like it was maybe like four or whatever but i remember there was electricity between like noon and three or like one and four like it was just enough for us to watch two movies so we would get right. together and you kind of like wait for electricity to kick in and, and you put a vhs tape instantly and you watch the movie and then if it's like a three-hour movie you fast forward through some part <laughs> because like it's okay this is boring and i'm like no it's not boring because what's boring for you it's not for me you always yeah. fight and then 
but rarely you were able to watch two movies. But at least you watch one, then electricity is gone, and then you go out. Like, but you get you you really get used to even that. It's yeah, kind of like, you know, that's interesting. The the yeah, the stuff that you remember, right? As a yeah, child, those things that those things I kind of like I remember the most. Like there was a couple of maybe some traumatizing things, but not as that. You know, that are not. I don't think that are as important as much as like these things where people were good to each other in in, in a really difficult time. Yeah, you know, I think that's more important, and I think that even our our psyche. You, I, I tend to remember those positive things much more and much clearly than than things that that I didn't like, you know. Yeah. And I think that that's also like a defensive mechanism you build. Sometimes people, you know, some people that went through really difficult times in time of war, like they they mm-hmm. they push it away and, and it may come back as a, as, a, as a trauma, like later on in their life, and they have to professionally deal with it. And I completely like, you know. Like, I, I don't think I can say I can understand it, but, you know, yeah. I, I, it's an unfortunate part. And I can only learn something from those experiences. Sure. And, and um, But, you know, in my case, I, I, I was lucky enough that my parents shielded me and as much as they were able to. And I was young. And, and it sounded like the fighting never ended up on your doorstep. It was kind of, was it mostly at bay or did you, or was some of the fighting happening right around you in your town at some point? It was always happening around, and you always hear the news and radio. Like we had a house outside the city, so when you go to sleep, you could hear bombs, bombs falling on nearby city. Like some a lot of times, because you always forget that there is no during the war. Like there is a lot, like it's a lack of resources, especially gasoline. Mm-hmm. That's always given to military. So the city is super quiet. Yeah, like it gets really, really quiet. I think that the closest we were able to experience this in Toronto was during. I wasn't here, but I remember people telling me when uh, the blackout went. Yeah, blackout in yeah two thousand and two thousand and three, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So like you know, people are together. Like you kind of like you, you everything. You know, that's actually the closest you could get that could bring you. You know, in the war when you are in it together. Yes. Minus the bombs falling, you know, yeah, around yeah, yeah. Or like For sleeping, sure. and you hear the. Because it's funny, like people don't forget, like you can actually, like if, if it's quiet city, if there's no cars passing, if there's no, you know, sirens, you can hear a lot. Yeah. You know, in terms of like the distance and. Sure. So anyway, so, like, you know, but you also get used to that. Like it's not, you know, as long yeah. as it's not like, as long as your life is not in danger, you you feel okay. It's kind well, of, as a young person, do you remember sleeping much or do you remember, do you remember having difficulty sleeping or do you remember being no, anxious I, about that? Or you just got used to it. You just get on with it. You completely got used to it. You're in this, yeah. you're, you just know that you're, it's the same for you, for your parents, for the, your neighbors, for everyone. You just get used to it. Yeah. You, you know, know, every once in a while, somebody says to me something like, um, you know, this generation, our generation now, we don't have the intestinal fortitude to deal with something like that or whatever. I think that's bullshit. I think yeah. that, I think that the bunch of us right now living in Canada, we're like, I'm not in Canada right now, but you're know, living in Toronto, our generation, if the shit hit the fan, we would deal with it. Yeah. You, we we would drop all our, you, we would drop that selfishness or a, a lot of it and we would get on with it. We'd, we, yeah. would fi- we would figure out how to eat with less, we, like we're doing now. Like yeah. we're, we're dealing with life differently. It's, it's uncomfortable. We're not in a war zone. 
but we would get on with it. I don't yeah. buy that. I don't buy that the, our generation is softer or anything like that. We just haven't been tested. I could right? not agree more. Like I, I absolutely agree with you. Like, you know, it, COVID is, and I, I remember talking to some of my friends, like, and, and those are like, oh my God, like you probably went through a similar thing, like isolation. And I was like, yeah, but there was a kid and I actually found lo- lots of similar similarities, you know? Because in my town, like it was not as bad as Sarajevo, you know, or, or, or like other, you know, cities that were, the, the war front was there. So it's like, I, 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 I completely agree that, you know, um, I think we would get used to it. I think we would get used yeah. to it. Well, people, we're resilient, right? Yeah, we're built we're, like that. We're built, yeah, we just, we wouldn't be here <laughs> if we weren't yeah, exactly. built that way. But what other things did you remember about being that age and, and uh, how your life was uh, affected by that? Uh, um, well, it's kind of, you know, it's not much in terms of like, you know, in 1993, my uh, my parents wanted to leave as soon as they realized that, you know, um, to bring us kids to a safer place. You know, yeah. the goal was to reach some safer European country um, as soon as possible. But my uncle was dying and um, we were, you know, um, there was no way to leave the town. Um, mm-hmm. Well, my dad didn't want to leave because he was the only brother Um there was one more brother, sorry, yeah. Uh, but my dad wanted to stay because uh, my cousin that that, that died, uh, it was my uncle's that was dying dying at that time, his son. He went missing a couple of months prior to him dying, and that was all happening in uh, mid-1993, uh, and my dad, rightfully so, wanted to stay and you know till the end. Mm-hmm. So we stayed till my uncle passed away, and then as soon as he passed away, we left, um, and we wanted to reach first Croatia and then uh, we were hoping Germany because everybody was going to Germany because it was just stable economically mm-hmm. and everything but we were not able to because um, uh, we couldn't cross the border at that time uh, with Croatia like we, we ended up like in a much safer part of Bosnia and Herzegovina mm-hmm. and I'm super glad that we ended up there because you know uh, I have friends I stayed there for four years um, I was in Croatia occasionally as well Um but uh, in that area, I, I, I made friends that I'm still friends now with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they say like you, you grow um, as a person. High school is a lot of times high school is almost the most important part in your life. You know, even though it sounds silly, but that's how you kind of develop your. Sure. That's where you figure out who you're going to be, right? Yeah. Like university, you almost like Polish. I always say like you almost like a finesse a sculpture but the, but the yeah. main part of the sculpture you do like you have a like a rock yeah you start with in grade like nine and then you kind mm-hmm. of work on it you know and then it, you know how it's going to look like it's not finished but it's pretty much like 80 mm-hmm. percent done 70 percent and then you go to university after and then you bring it to 100 percent, and you may even add a couple of more pieces depending how creative you are you know yeah. so my high school was uh almost completed in uh in this lovely city Chaplina. Uh, and then we moved back to Canada, and then because I was, I had to go one more year in high school here, so which helped me as well mm-hmm. to uh, um, learn more, um, get better in English. And actually, I was lucky enough that some of my teachers um, figured out my interest in in TV and film and storytelling, and they they helped me and they pushed me that I to pursue it. Yeah. So it was when you came to Canada that you realized that you wanted to work in uh, in the medium. I, I knew I wanted to work in the medium very early. Like, I think I was grade nine. I think, like, I, I, 
some of my friends I actually had like a like a nickname by a director in, in high school because there was a class I think uh and one teacher told us okay you know they everyone stand stand up like one after another not like together in unison and you say like what would you like to study because mm-hmm. they wanted to encourage us and say like okay listen like if you don't want to study like all the subjects because I was going to the school gymnasium or gymnasia and it's a tough school mm-hmm. so you have like 15 subjects sometimes and then you're like listen like it's if it, you know if you, you can just choose be good at least in, in in certain ones that's at least what i remember yeah so when it came to me i got up and i said i want to be a film director and the whole class just laughed like for like <laughs> good, like 30 seconds ha, the ha, audacity ha, of uh, yeah, dreaming that big like, oh my Is god that what it was? i had like a thick Bosnian accent and I was in a southern part of Bosnia Herzegovina so they like loved my accent and even so they were like so instantly I got I got a nickname by like a famous director around that time um so <laughs> which one yeah uh, well they call me Kusta for the longest time like which uh, is this like a Bosnian director Yugoslavian director well, well when you were growing up then and you you stood up and proclaimed to the class that you wanted to be a film director i mean did that seem like a pipe dream or did you actually think i could do this or did it seem so far away i actually you know there was no way to fight it like once i proclaimed it that was it i yeah. had to kind of like pretend as if i'm yep i'm gonna do that you don't it but I, knew, I knew it was difficult i knew it was like i knew that there was like four students that would have accepted in a film school in a capital of croatia like they it's mm-hmm. incredible it's a difficult like i knew that chances of me getting in were super slim you know mm-hmm. um but that that's why i kind of liked when i came to canada I, I pushed more and there was definitely more opportunities now there is more opportunity opportunities to actually even do that back in eastern europe you know in balkans there is mm-hmm. more schools yeah. Not necessarily good schools, but you know, like, you know, at least you go and you learn something, and then you can kind of switch to a better school if you are good at it, you know? Yeah. But it did feel like a pipe dream. So one of the things that I loved coming to Canada was that I was able to continue with that. Yeah. You know? But I didn't end but, up being film director, which was fine. I found myself like, you know, I, I love editing now, but it's in the same kind of um, sure. world, you know. Like But it's just interesting going back to talking about dreaming about a career. I mean, how much time would you spend as a teenager thinking, like, did, did it, uh, how often or did it cross your mind at all that I might not, because of the situation here, because of the political unrest, I don't know whether I'll ever live to be an adult, whether, was that a thing that came into your mind? No, it's very interesting, like, that never came to my mind, because I wasn't living in a part of Bosnia that, that was, um, you know, as affected. I did remember when I was about to graduate, I think the war ended in 1995, 1994, 1995, so 1994, but then continued 1995. So I think officially it was like around that time. Mm-hmm. I was 16. And I knew that if I, if the war continued for two more years, I could have easily been, been called for military service or right. something like that. But yeah. I kind of like, it, it didn't, it didn't bother me to the point. I hated the fact that I didn't, I never actually, never shot a gun, like anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I hate the fact, but, but, you know, I didn't, I, I thought that if it happens, uh, uh, you know, you know, just, I just may have to do whatever, el- whatever everyone else is doing. Like, just yeah. you have to join and hope that you are not, you know, hope called for in or, or it ends quickly or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, so it did. You don't think about it too much, but I didn't. It didn't somehow. That never crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. No, but I wasn't. I was exposed. I was still a high school student. 
Right. And was there, was there like a tipping point where your parents said, that's enough, we have to go? Or they just, this, they just kept thinking that we should get out of here, we should get out of here, let's make a plan. And eventually that plan got put into place. Yeah, it was more like that second thing. Like, okay, let's leave, let's leave. Like, you know, should we, should we not? And my mom got, my mom got a job right away. Then my dad got a job. Then my dad was about to retire. Then it was, it was the longest time for my dad to get, to get a job in his industry. Mm-hmm. And then even when he got it, like, is this worth it? Then, then the war stopped. And then we're like, okay, is there a chance for us to go back to our hometown? Maybe there is. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, somebody else was living in our apartment. So it took so a couple was, of So you were years. renting a place? No. Um, well, you kind of... Uh, the difficult, like when you, when we were leaving our hometown, you kind of just try to sell your place for like a thousand dollars. So you right. have enough money to like to have, to, if you go over checkpoint, you have enough to give it to checkpoint or right. at least you, so, but, but all those like idiotic contracts you have at the end of the war in former Yugoslavia, that all was nil. That was part right. of the negotiation process. So it's like, if anyone sold anything, that's nil. If, if any of the parties disagree. Mm-hmm. You have to return back. Like, I think like there was like, you know, so I think that pretty much um, the family lived in our place for like, what was 93 to 97, like four or five years for like, I don't know, rent free, I suppose. Right. And then but so you're, okay. you're... We, got the, we got it back and, you know, we were happy about that. My dad eventually sold it and bought, you know, for the, for the same amount of money, bought um, a cottage by sea and then he had to work on it for like good five seven years to make it like nice and yeah. you know, that's where my mom is now there yeah. so and so what year was it you landed in in canada uh february 24th 1997 yeah it was super cold man i was in montreal and montreal but yeah that we arrived in montreal we were supposed to uh be located in ottawa because when you apply to move as a landed immigrant you kind of like they, yeah. they you are a place to live somewhere but our cousin came and picked us up the following is like listen your family's in toronto come here if you don't like it we can come back to ottawa uh, it was a gatino actually so we were supposed to be in uh, quebec so and so you get here and you're what are you about 17 i was 18 at that time 18? just turned 18 yeah yeah what was it like what was the immigrant experience like for you for me, it was, it was, it was great. Like it wasn't, uh, you know, it was new. Um, it, it, it was, it was, everything was so great, man. Like I, I love just, you know, seeing this huge Toronto, but it was like minus 30 degrees. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And we arrived in Montreal and, you know, for people that never visited Montreal or Toronto, like it's a significant difference between, you know, temperature in Montreal. Oh, and Toronto. it's so much colder in Montreal. Yeah, you know, I love yeah. Montreal. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's one of my favorite cities. But I remember I stepped out of that um, airplane, not airplane, but the airport, and I stepped on a pile of snow thinking that I'll, I'll just going to go like through. You know, it was like a building. Mm-hmm. I wanted to jump on it. Like, kind of yeah, like yeah. You know, I'm just going to go through it. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, Canada. Mm-hmm. And I just stayed on top. It was frozen. It was like just yeah, yeah. a pile of like snow. It huge. <laughs> it was basically like a three feet of snow. Yeah. Um, at least like, you know, so, uh, I was like, Oh my God, where are we? Uh, and, but you know, but it was like late February. It was, you know, two, three months later, summer kicked in. I was already in the high school here. Um, and some summers are beautiful in Toronto, you know, like mm-hmm. there's lots of people, people are just outside, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> any opportunity as if, you know, just to make up for all those cold days, you know? Yeah. Did your family, did you, did you and your family feel like it was, did you feel like it was easy to fit in? Probably easier for a kid because kids are, you just, you're like a sponge, right? You're. Well, it's very interesting. 
Yeah, you, that you actually say that at last part specifically, it's, it's, it's really interesting because that's actually what happened that we, 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 you know, I got into school right away, uh, my, my brother as well, but my sister, she was at university, so she, uh, she had to go to, diff- like she, I think she was taking some like, I'm not sure actually, I think she was taking like some English classes, but like advanced for possible university um, exam. But things really switched quickly because our, our knowledge of English was, you know, much better than our parents. Sure. So suddenly, like, we were the ones that had to go and pay bills. Right. Like, no, we didn't have to, like, earn that. But we yeah. start to, like, you know, there was lots of things that you don't do as a kid, you know. You kind of, like, but you suddenly have to, like, there is a list my dad makes, you know. It's like, okay, you today you're going to go and pay water bills. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to go pay this and, and, and you know, and, and go grab it and talk to that lady in the grocery store. And, and I don't want to have that meat. Like I want to have better meat. Like that last time she didn't do like, you are like, Whoa, yeah, yeah. man, like this is like, and you are 17, 18. I was like, well, I, I'm just like, well, it, at least, you know, we start to argue with our sister and our brother is like, you do it this week. You do it that week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's all funny now. It's all yeah. funny. No. It's all great but stuff to learn, though. But yeah, you, yeah. as a 17-year-old or 18-year-old, you'd rather not be doing that crap. <laughs> yeah, so you got more, you, we got more responsibilities. But we did fit in, and, and it, what helps a lot um, is when you are close to your family and friends and you are close to your community. Mm-hmm. That also like may not help you down the road because you may not improve. Your English may take a lot longer if, the, if most of the time you just speak your language at home but my parents did go to school like nine to five for english yeah at old age and i i i just admired that so much like to go back to school my dad was like you know 55 at that time and mm-hmm. he's back in school like he's with other people and he does his own homework and mm-hmm. often like we would actually finish school at the same time actually our school was at three o'clock and we would you know we would take a bus and we would walk home and sometimes we would see my brother my, uh, and I, we would see uh, our parents like walking like in front of us and we were trying to catch up with them. And my brother's like, no, 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 let them walk. We want to see like, like, you know, it's just, you know, and I was like, why? <laughs> and I think one time we realized my dad is like, my mom is pacing faster than my dad. Like we were like, oh, there was an argument or something would happen. Right. And I think my dad wanted to like cheat you know, they had like an English test like every week or something. <laughs> and my dad wanted to cheat and he wanted to cheat, like take. And my mom told, didn't let him actually like, like cheat from her paper. Yeah. And my dad was so mad about that. <laughs> and we were just laughing so much that, you know, it was just ridiculous. And my mom was like, yep, when your buddy came in last night, I told you. One drink is enough because you have homework to do. Like they literally would actually tell each other these things. It's like, you know, you didn't do your homework last night. Right. You have to do your homework. And, you know, I'm not letting you cheat. You've been cheating. Like you've been looking at my paper for the last two times. And it was incredible. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. But did your, your parents find that, um, that, that they, did they have a, an easier time assimilating here? Did they have a lot of hardships? Was it difficult? Were they seen differently when they got here did they have to battle a lot of stereotypes uh, my my mom uh she actually went to um uh, um she she was working in a school here she was a supply teacher mm-hmm. she was never an officially a full teacher i think she was a couple of exams away but she was happy so if yeah. she was happy i was happy so i suppose like she assimilated and, and not so much assimilated but she worked on her career she didn't go to a typical immigrant job, which is work in a factory, you know? Mm-hmm. 
uh, my dad was uh, uh, old when he came in here. And by the time he was fluent in English, I think that he was already 62, 63. And then he had to do a couple of surgeries and his doctor told him, listen, like by the time you do your surgeries, you're 65. Mm -hmm. So let's just like pace these surgeries because we can't pile them up. Mm -hmm. uh, so by the time that's, that was all settled, my dad was 65. So then he retired. But they were happy. They, you know, they were not earning lots of money, but they were happy. You know, my dad eventually was six months here, five, like seven months in Canada, five months in in Europe. Like they found a way. Like there was hardship. They, they, they most of the time, like their friends on weekends were Croatian. Mm -hmm. But my mom was working in a school. She had lots of Canadian friends. Um, mm -hmm. And us as kids, like my sister and I, uh, I think I have the most Canadian friends. But these days, I think my sister is all like also like fifty fifty, but. Um, I have a real, I, I have like lots of circles mm -hmm. of friends, Yeah, but you know, going to college, I, uh, it's a question of like, you know, if you are ready to, if you are willing, I suppose, uh, I guess like, uh, willing to open up your mm -hmm. horizons. Yes. So some people are closed minded. It's very easy to fall into that trap. And, and usually as an immigrant, when you come in, it, it need, you know, if you, don't go to school if you just start to work in construction and you work with your own people. You just, you're stuck with that. And you know what? For a lot of times, like, it, it, it's okay. That may work for you. But I always, like, even when I was young, like, I always wanted, wanted to, like, you know, learn more. I, I even, you know, I found a personal satisfaction in, in, in getting to know more people, getting to know more cultures. Um, and for me, I open up, open my, open myself up to uh, Canadian culture much quicker. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I, I I didn't do it just because I want to do it. Like I kind of fell in love with it. I'm sure, like you know, I spoke to your wife like about it. I think at one point, and and I think I remember she's like, I'm just gonna go in and I'm gonna learn about hockey and this and that. But then you kind of start to get to know other people and you start to like connect with them. You know? Yeah. Uh, you that may your idea initial idea is you just want to learn and then see what happens but then things happen you get to know people and knowing more people is important you know yeah. and for somebody and and for me it's very important and i and i'm super happy that i have lots of friends you know yeah yeah well that doesn't happen by accident that's work i mean yeah. it's, it's good work it's fun work but keeping yeah. up relationships with people involves a certain amount of work it amounts reaching out and keeping a touch with them and not losing a lot not letting that conversation go cold and so yeah you're the kind of person who does that i'm like that yeah. too and uh, you know uh, because i know uh, i know that if you don't that those things disappear and the path goes cold and, and that that those yeah you know it's difficult um i wanted to mention something too it's something that you were mentioning a minute ago when belinda got her citizenship and we went down that day and they you know there's a judge there an immigration judge who does the swearing in and the guy who was um, the judge that day was a guy who had immigrated from poland who had grown up in poland during you know the soviet era and he came to canada and he was telling people that day he said i want to pr impress upon you something and that is that most of most of the people who come here a lot of people that come here was because there's a difficult situation in their home and it is because it became difficult for them to live there uh, whatever it is a political situation or religion or whatever it was and then they came here and he said i would suggest that you not bring those things with you those things that you are trying to escape i know some of those things perhaps even though they were difficult or whatever, it's hard to get rid of that 
some of that stuff that that old tribal stuff that you dealt with back home don't bring it here is what he was saying and um and he said try to try to come here and embrace what this culture has the reason you came here and the reason the reason why you feel safe here go for that rather than trying to bring along the pain from the past and the difficulties from the past um when you came here um, did you find that a lot of people from the old country were bringing some of that animosity or did a lot of people leave it at the border? Oh, no, it was, it was, it was there for the longest time. Things were very fresh from 1990s. Yes. Um, and, you know, the war was um, still brewing, like especially uh, the war in Kosovo happened a couple of years late, like, you know, uh, I think it was like 97 or 98, like I'm not sure. Like, so the, the war was still taking place. It just kept moving, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so there was lots of, yeah, lots of those things. Even when the war stopped, like he was, you know, you can still argue like, okay, was it, did everybody get, you know, was it, was it a good result for everyone? You right. know, like it wasn't. Of course it never but, is. But, you know, the war, it never is. You know, the war stopped. That was mm-hmm. a big thing. Now looking back, you kind of like, I think that it was just important for people not to die anymore. But anyway, so, so it was quite fresh, you know. But I did have, like I was hanging out with, 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 with a lot, with lots of um um, people from former Yugoslavia and actually they were different nationalities. Like my first cycle of friends was, you know, people, different nationalities. I actually found lots in common with people that came in, you know, Serbians, Bosniaks, uh, Croatians, but people that came in around the same time that I arrived, Mm -hmm. like I found it, I didn't care, even though, you know, you, if somebody really wants to dig deeper, they could easily find that one of their uncle or one of my uncle was probably like, you know, shooting at each other in one of these yeah. like villages or somewhere. But we actually didn't care that much. We found mm-hmm. that we were new in this country and we had similar, you know, problems. I'm still friends with a lot of, a lot of them. Like it's incredible. Uh, yeah. You know, we did, we did actually have, there was one time that we, we, uh, we had like a paint. What's the word? Uh, we went, was like that game when you have paint guns what is it called paint, uh, yeah, paintball paintball yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, so there was like a and we had a soccer game one time and we kind of like okay how who, who like how are we going to do this and it's like okay we're going to do croatian against serbs croatians and, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah and croatians we didn't have enough so we had to like you know beg two serbs two serbians to join us and, and right. we laughed about it we yeah. even had a soccer match where we kind of like split it like that but then we're like no 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 you guys are better. Let's just mix this up. Like we laughed about it. I'm, yeah. I, you know, I still visit these friends. It took a while, but we were in a specific situation because we, and a lot of people, I suppose, come to Canada, uh, you know, because of the war in certain parts or discrimination and things, you know, it's not easy uh, to, 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 to brush that off. Uh, sure, it's a of course good not. moment when you get a citizenship in Canada, if you are not, you know, if you are behaving, I suppose, or you don't, um, it, I think it's like three to five years approximately. So like after three, five, three years in Canada to five years, like you should be able to like look back and say, okay, maybe it's time to move on. Maybe it's time yeah. if I still have any of those. It was, it was, a, I really agree with that judge saying that, you mm-hmm. know, but you know, yeah, people still left it. Like, I think that we were all traumatized in a certain way, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, then it takes time. It took a long time, man. Well, you know what the basic, one of the most basic things about life is, is that people say, oh, such, are you happy? Am I happy? How do you feel? Being happy is a choice you make. Yes. You know, every day. And I yeah. think, you know, that's part of 
you know, letting go of baggage is you have to decide, am I going to carry this thing, this heavy yes. burden, or am I going to let it figure out how to let it go and be a, a happier person because of that? Absolutely. Like, like it's, um, you know, but I, what I liked about most of the friends that I, you know, um, met through all these years that a lot of them, um, they, they, they're all positive. They're all smiley. And, you know, um, I love my Canadian friends, even though I actually feel, you know, in many ways, like more Canadian than anything else. Cause I've been in Canada now more than, uh, Europe. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it was like last year or a year before when I, realized that I was in Canada for 22 years, 21 years. And I was, and then I had to, you know, take a couple of months every year when I would travel or stuff. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to be nitpicky. I realized like it was like two years ago, but you know, I was in Canada more. Yeah. But you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, what I like about Canada, you can still be yourself at least in big cities, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to necessarily, um, you know, be, uh, try to be somebody else. It's important for, you, for us to be who you are. When Vitold and I first spoke about doing an episode of my podcast to discuss some of the trying experiences he had been through over the years, we hadn't discussed whether we would talk about the most recent tragedy that has shaken his world, the passing of his wife, Barbara, after a prolonged battle with brain cancer. The recording of this podcast happened a few weeks prior to the second anniversary of Barbara's passing on August the 24th of 2018. Barbara would have been 35 this year. While I wasn't sure whether his story with Barbara was something he would want to share for this episode, it soon became obvious that telling Vitold's story would be impossible to do without sharing a bit of the story of Barbara and Vitold as well. At one point in this conversation, I mentioned to Vitold that though he and Barbara had only eight years together, they seemed to have crammed so much travel and adventure into that time. Comment that others had made to him as well, since her passing. After I made the comment, there was a telling pause in the conversation that says everything. They deserve to have much more time together than the eight years that they were afforded. Here is a little more of my chat with Vitold about love and loss and Barbara. Uh, so Barbara, my late wife, Barbara and I met in uh, Toronto. Uh, it was a gallery opening, mid-May, I think, um, 2010. 2010. Yeah, a friend of ours has like a, had a gallery exhibit opening. Uh, there was lots of lovely things on uh, uh, he's into skateboards and uh, urban uh, art uh, culture. And then so lots of artists were, were printing photos or, or, or painting on a skateboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was there and... Uh, um, yeah, I was I was doing two jobs at that time. Like uh, I was working for Bell TV and double dipping, man. As yeah. we, we stayed in Canada, double dip, <laughs> uh, double dipping. Uh, and at CBC, I worked in the evenings. And then at that time, I think it was like that week, I quit CBC because I was like, this is too much. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I wanted to see who offered me like a better contract, and Bell TV offered me a better contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, that day, when I actually quit, that's when I met Barbara. You guys were about the same age. No, I was uh, six years older than Barbara. Six years older. Yeah. But I mean, that connection, just like that's a bit yes. of back home and everything. And you must have just, did you get her right away just because of your upbringing? And it was, I think that's what she was interested in uh, more than I. Uh, I, I, I wasn't specifically like, you know, looking for someone from 
because Barbara was born in Ottawa, grew up in Vienna, right? But she spoke Slovenian at home. So in and and they they they. Uh, I family, forgot that she uh, grew up in Ottawa. That's right. Yeah. Uh, she was born in Ottawa, but grew up in Vienna. But then she, they went back to Ottawa uh, when she was fourteen. Yeah. And so she finished high school there, started high school, finished high school, and finished university. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, uh, so yeah, like her upbringing was, but I think she was very interested, like to hear someone. I don't think she dated anyone before from that part of the world that yeah. that her parents were coming from. Right. But they were visiting Slovenia all the time because, you know, Austria and Vienna are quite close. Mm-hmm. And the grandparents were all in Slovenia, so they would go, they would take any opportunity. So she kind of grew up in like four different cultures. Yeah. Spoke like, I think, four languages and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, so we hit it off. Yeah, that was very quick. Like it was a couple of months later, you know. Um, yeah. And then how many years was it before you were married? It was four years before we were married, but I proposed to her like two and a half years later or two years plus. Right. Two and a half years later. Yeah. And then, so so you had, you had, um, eight years together before she unfortunately passed away. You guys packed a lot in. Yeah. Well, at first, you know, like I, you know, um, because Barbara had a brain tumor and, uh, she was working for this phenomenal couple, um, uh, assistant to, uh, um, uh, Reisman family. So, um, and Rose Reisman is, she's a food celebrity in, uh, right. in Toronto, yeah. in Canada. So Barbara was her marketing and f- an assistant and they just became a family. I consider them to be my family. Yes. Cause even when Barbara stopped working, they were always, they were always with us through, 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 um, thick and thin, you know? At first, I wanted to travel because, like, she wasn't working; she was at home, and I would take any opportunity uh, as a freelancer, uh, as an editor that does. You know, I wouldn't actually, if there was an opportunity for me to take a few months off, I would take it. I wouldn't look for the work, you know. Um, and things were kind of lined up. It was almost like, you know, God-given situations. There was something, you know, uh, supernatural that was following us throughout all those years because I used to have like summers off all the time. Mm-hmm. And we would travel at first, like the first year I wanted to kind of travel and we planned, but I fell in love with traveling quite quickly. She was a great traveling uh, yeah. partner. And, and, uh, and eventually it, it, it was maybe like one year when I'm like, it was difficult for me to, I was like, okay, I just want to rest. Like, I'm not sure if I'm going to enjoy this travel plan. Yeah. I loved it instantly. Um, and it's really good if you can, I'm a type of a person that likes to travel with somebody. Uh, and I know there's lots of people that travel, like to travel them, by themselves, just mm-hmm. like alone. Yeah. But I love traveling with someone. And if you can find someone you can share your travels with, and if, if you have similar interests, at least similar interests, and mm-hmm. you have lots of similar interests, uh, it, it's fantastic. It brings your travel experiences, you know, to a completely different level, you know. Mm-hmm. But we did, we, did, we, 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 we did a lot. Where are some of the places that you went together? Uh, so we, went, we visited most countries in Europe. I think from... In Europe, we didn't go to Italy because we wanted to leave Italy for one of the... Just, just to have... So we were not in Italy and Scandinavian countries, I think we were not. Everywhere else we, we went to mm-hmm. maybe some like uh, maybe Ukraine, Russia. And then um, the US and the RV. In that was an amazing trip. Yeah. So we went that was like literally we went for a dinner with friends and they told us, Hey, like we told him that we want to rent a car and we're like, No, don't rent a car, rent an R V and yeah. he's um uh he's a drummer. Um and he's like, Well, when I used to you know, 
my friend Paul, he was like, when, when he used to uh, travel, he would just sometimes take RV and continue traveling in the US. I was like, you know what, give me, he's like, yeah, they have some good deals. And it was April 2016. And we just decided in a five days from a decision and we just took off and we were gone mm-hmm. for more than four months. Yeah. And that's one of the best trip of my life. Like it's kind of like we were in in US for a month and a half. Yeah. Visited mainly music towns and some nature visits like Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. And uh, went back um, through LA. And from LA, we went back to Slovenia because one of our family in Slovenia, they were so kind. They had a a three bedroom apartment uh, in the capital of Slovenia, but they also had an apartment by the coast and they just gave us the keys and we had an apartment. Mm-hmm. where we were able to rest you know so uh and then we went to in europe we went to a euro cup we followed croatia and i'm a big soccer fan so that was yes. also amazing uh-huh. um uh but yeah we also went to latin america uh, u.s latin america europe um uh, in in the years that you know uh Barbara was fighting uh brain tumor uh but yeah it was it was a lot like we, we took any opportunity and then she was a great like uh planner mm-hmm. and, uh you know, I kind of really, really liked uh, that aspect. You know, yeah. I liked lots of things, but I just, you know, that's something that we both enjoyed a lot. So, yeah, well, it certainly makes it easier when when one of the people is good at doing that. A bit Belinda, <laughs> you know, it's been e- much easier over the years traveling with Belinda, given that she's working in worked in the travel industry. So she always so many other things get sorted out by her. I don't have to worry about. Yeah, you know. the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember my sister making fun of me because uh, Barbara was a Capricorn and I'm a Capricorn. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I'm not a big horoscope believer, but supposedly like it's like we are organized. Like we did have a spreadsheet when we go, like because Barbara was doing like accounting and yeah. like it's not as if you have like spreadsheet for everything, but it just helped you. Like if you have to go for four months, you know, and uh, if you go to a Euro Cup and you do not know if you if the country you support will actually advance, if they're gonna play in this city or other city, like you have to have like you know some kind of a paper and plan. Yeah. Otherwise, like, it, it just gets too stressful. Like we, we ended yeah. up being really good at it. But my sister always made fun of me. She's like, "Oh my God, you guys are having a spreadsheet." <laughs> she just shakes her head. Like, yeah, that's kind of. And I was like, "Yep," and we love it. <laughs> <laughs> like I said to you earlier, I've always felt you've been. Uh, you, you're you're one of those people. Every time I talk to you, are super positive, and uh, and even you know, even right after Barbara passed away, you were every time I talked to you, you were like, you know, I'm moving ahead. Things are good today. Um, you know, you were always you always were outwardly positive about how things were going at a time when it would have been fine for you to uh, uh, to uh, cur- curl up in a ball. Uh, and do that for a while and that would have been fine you know what i mean yeah yeah you know it's uh it's everyone deals with grief you know um differently um I'm, i did curl up now you know occasionally by myself um, um but you know in general i try to be positive and i was always positive and i think that one of the reasons that barbara and i had a great um uh time together uh is that it kept us together. The positivity kept us together. And she was also positive. Um, mm-hmm. I was watching a guy on TV uh, maybe a year ago and, and, and uh, Steve Bacon asked him, he was in a similar situation. His wife passed away, but even different, she, uh, di- different situation, but you know, he lost his wife. I lost my wife. So he said uh, what he loved about his wife, that no matter when he came home, uh, there was never, you know, a question, you know, while, why me? 
Yeah. My late wife never had that moment. Like I never was home and she would cry and say, why me? She was always positive. So we were feeding each other with positive energy. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, only the last three months were very difficult, but prior to it, um, it was great, you know, in terms of like, uh, symptoms and, um, you know, she barely had any, uh, what other people go through in terms of like brain tumor. It's, it's a nasty disease. Yeah. Um, you know, she was good. Uh, only the end was bad, but, but, you know, like I, I always feel that, you know, she would want me to be positive. Um, and, uh, I personally don't know any other way to fight it. Like I think, I think it's kind of like, uh, what I'm used to. Yes. It's maybe my comf- comfort zone as well. Mm-hmm. What is uh, your comfort zone? To be positive. Yes. Okay. Know, in general. About yeah, that. Yeah. So it's kind of like being, being in that, like to, 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 to deal with things that, you know, a better day is around the corner, you know. Um, Some of that must come from growing up the, the way you did and having to leave your country the way you did to have a, you know, having to keep your spirits yeah. up, right? Yes, absolutely. But it also, I think it runs in my family as well. I think like, right. you know, my family, which is, which is, are famous for to be like quite um, happy people. Yeah. Um, and I also, have, yeah, they're really they're party animals, party animals, man. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I mean, not to that extent, but I also have like, I also see myself, um, my mom is uh, Chichak. So she, I have her side as well. I think like I'm 50, 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and, and that side of the family, uh, probably went through worse than my side of the family and, uh, during the war, but they're all now good. They're all happy. And. So you think you come from a particularly resilient stock of people? I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. If you want to put a label, that's a pretty good label. I may have like, you know, t-shirts and that. It's like, hey, resilience <laughs> lives here. <laughs> My people bounce yeah. back. You know, but you also like, you know, if you experience like, you know, I have to also like admit that, you know, family and friends that were surrounded, surrounding by right now through years, um, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it was invaluable. Yeah. Um, and that helps a lot. And I think it also helped me right after my past, like uh, lots of friends reached. And I was also like, I, I also was lucky now that I was able to be busy with work and maybe it took me longer than some other people, but mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is, but I was busy and I'm glad I was. And I didn't want to drink a lot. I just started doing lots of sports. Yeah. Well, it would have been very easy to go down though. That, uh, that, that rabbit hole, right? Yeah, you know, supposedly like it's it's very uh, common thing with, with with men. Yeah, to 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 escape to uh, drinks and uh, drinking and but I don't know. Some of it was still like September and it was a nice weather and I started playing tennis with my really good friend and uh, I started jogging and uh, you know I would still go out with my friends and talk about stuff you know, um, but yeah because I I guess that's why I. Had it doing an interview with me in a podcast. I, 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 I like to talk to people, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, in a way it was a self therapy as well. Every once in a while I would go out and we would just talk about good things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, um, that's, I mean, that's the thing you, uh, your friend, when you go through something like that, I remember we had a similar conversation of this, um, when Barbara passed away that your friends are going to throw you a lifeline, like take it. You know, yeah. I mean, don't think you're, when you go through something yeah. like that, you got to lean on your friends. Yeah, I remember when you told me that. Yeah, I clearly remember. 
Yeah, because I, th I think you, you, you know, you tend to forget, you tend to think, oh, this, I'm, I'm going to be a burden on my friends and this is going to be, this is not pleasant to listen to or whatever. But I mean, if you are friends and you, I mean, that's what, that's what it's all about at the end of the day, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how you fall into it. Like I never wanted to get together with somebody, okay, I'm going to talk about it, you know, mm -hmm. but somehow you kind of fall into it. Now it's less and less, but you know, it's, it's okay you know, like you just learn how to live with it. Like I'll always paraphrase like what Billy Bob Thornton said when he lost his brother, you know, in uh, one of those like master classes, I think, where mm -hmm. somebody, uh, Barbara's sister passed this to me. And I was like, it's nice to hear other people's experiences because they somehow, especially actors, you know, and um, smart people, they, they can verbalize like what you feel. And right. he said, I completely agree. And he said um, when he lost his brother that, uh, you know, every single moment in his life since he lost his brother was, uh, and he was 19 uh, or 18. His brother was only like a year older than him mm -hmm. around that time approximately. And he said every single good thing in his life that happens, he's half happy, half sad. Mm -hmm. Like you're not standing there and you're super happy and you're like, oh, I'm so sad. It just, if you look back, you realize, sometimes you realize like there's something is missing. Mm -hmm. But you, it's okay. You, and then that's totally fine. You know, like you just learn how to live with it. Yeah. And that's, you know, kind of like what your life is post, you know, um, post period when you lose someone that's close to you. Yeah. Um, and, and that's how you deal with emptiness, you know. Yeah, it's, it's almost two years now. So um, uh, much better this year in general. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, so far, um, COVID, um, you know, maybe with COVID, I actually was able to stay more at home and uh, reflect a little bit more. And yeah. actually that helped a lot to, to, to finally move on in life. Not mm -hmm. finally, but, you know, uh, move on in certain regard. And, um, yeah, you know. Yeah, I think a lot of people, um, this COVID thing slammed the brakes on and all of a sudden, there you are with yourself yeah, or your immediate yeah. family, right? Yeah. There, there's no escaping yeah. you and your issues. They're right there yeah. and the world is shut down and maybe you've lost your job too. And it's just you and your stuff. And then yeah. I think a lot of people have kind of had a, an opportunity to stop and look at themselves. Yeah. And yeah. Say, Absolutely. Uh, what am I doing? Can I do it better? Uh, you know, people are doing that career wise. People are trying to refigure out what their careers are going to be like on the other side of this or the, you know, how they lived before this. Uh, it's, I think it's been a real moment of reckoning for a lot of people. You know, I think that people are finally figuring it out and, and realizing, you know, like what is really important in my life, you know, um, it's not an easy time because soon we're going to start, you know, to run out of these emergency funds mm -hmm. and, you know, and if you, you know, in a way, I'm lucky because as a freelancer, you always have to save some money uh, for, you know, when you're not booked for work. Mm -hmm. But lots of lots of people live like day to day, week, you know, just like one month at a time. And, mm -hmm. and you know, there's lots of uh, changes. And uh, I think that, but I completely agree with you. It's just, you know, it's, it was a good time to reflect and, and lots of people did it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? All right. Well, look, brother, uh, I, I uh, really enjoyed this conversation uh, and um, thanks for uh, telling us your story. I know it's coming up on uh, the second anniversary of uh, 
Barbara's passing yeah. and uh, she must be forefront as she always is in your mind right now uh, with uh, with that date coming up. Uh, so I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me about uh, your life growing up and then your, your life as well with Barbara. She was a, a wonderful, wonderful person who uh, okay. really had such amazing energy. She was always so uh, lovely to to chat with. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, I, uh, I miss seeing her. Yeah, thank you. Isn't it so nice to be able to share um, stories about great people we've uh, had the chance to yeah. uh, spend uh, our lives with? Yeah, we all have them around. And, you know, every time you see them, it's always um, kind of like um, I always hated Mm-hmm. When people go, it just sounded so lame, but it actually is so true. It was like, you know, next time you go and see your good friend or a, or a father or a mother, just give him a hug. But it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. I used to, yeah. I used to hear this, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and, and I, one time I gave a hug to my dad and my dad's like, okay, what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, nothing's yeah. wrong. Just want to give you a hug, man. Take it easy. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. And the next thing is like, okay, just move the car, move the car. That's, that's not, that's the wrong spot or something like that. You know, something like trivial. But, but, you know, I'm happy yeah. I did it. I have it. You know, I'm happy. So maybe like one of those things is like, hug anyone when you have a chance. Yeah. Not, not well, you and I are both like that. You, are, you and I are both like yeah. that whenever we see each other. We hug our friends. Yeah, but you have to be yeah. careful also because you can't hug too many people now because of COVID. So maybe this is not enough. <laughs> but the virtual hug. We'll put the brakes on that for a little while. <laughs> but, you know, but thank you saying, yeah. for, for, for saying all those lovely things uh, about my late life. And, uh, you know, um, there's nothing to add. I mean, it's, um, you know, that's how life, life yeah. is hard sometimes and sometimes it's great. You just have to go one day, one week, one, one moment at a time, I suppose. Yeah. Well, and that's why I said to you uh, I, that I did want to chat with you. I mean, what, about some of these things because you've been through some stuff and you, you uh, I, I find outwardly and, and that you uh, have dealt with uh, these things with uh, grace and humility and uh, always have a smile on your face. And so I'm always happy to see you uh, whenever you walk into a room um, because you carry yourself that way and not everybody does, but you're one of those people who does. Uh, and um, that's, uh, uh, you have to choose to be happy. Yeah. And uh, you're a person who chooses to be happy. Yeah. So I, I appreciate that because I know uh, that's not always easy. Yeah. You know. Uh, so, uh, thank you for your time. I love you for that, my friend. Thank you. I love you too, man. I, I really appreciate you in many ways. And, and so, uh, I want, want to thank you for chatting with me today. Thank you so much, man. Thanks, my friend. My thanks to my good friend Vitold Vidic for sharing his story with us. My hope is that perhaps somebody out there who's going through a difficult time right now Having heard Vitold's story, it might make the mental shift necessary to choose positivity and to choose to be happy. It's not an easy readjustment to make, but those that I know who do operate in that headspace seem to manage life better than those who have yet to embrace that mindset. My thanks also to Mr. Jerry Stamp, who wrote and performed the Cool Story theme song and all of the other jingles and stings that appear on the show. Do yourselves a favor and look for Jerry's music wherever you stream. And finally, thank you for listening. Until next time. Pura Vida. Everybody's had some adventures. Everybody's had a few close calls. Everybody's got a story. What's yours?